So today we have a couple of things and we'll try to perhaps tie it in. I mean, we're talking about it's Rosh Chodesh. Today was Rosh Chodesh. And it's also Hanukkah. And we're also reading the portion of Vayigash. And uh, today is Shlishi, is the third day. And Sarah ordered, she says, you got to tie it all into women. She says, I want you to tie it all into women. So she gives me, she gave me, she gave me the job to tie it all into Hanukkah. And what? And, uh, and actually, um, she kept me busy most of the day with other things. Uh, we, um, not that much, you, but uh, so let's try to see if we can sort of discuss a little bit the special, unique connection for women to Rosh Chodesh. Of course, Rosh Chodesh comes once a month, the beginning of the new month. Today being the new month of Tevet, so that's the beginning of the month. And it is considered to be actually a special holiday for women. What does it mean, a special holiday for women? Men also have, it's a semi-holiday. It's not really like Shabbat or Yom Tov in which you don't do work. Uh, but uh, women in particularly refrain from doing like excessive work on Rosh Chodesh. While men will... Um, will not rest at all on Rosh Chodesh. It's not considered at all a, um, a festival. And yet, uh, women, to them it's more of a festival. So the question is, what is the source and what is the reason why is Rosh Chodesh uh, more a women's uh, festival than it is a men's festival? That's the, that's the question. So that's uh, evidently, that is, that is the connection between, that is the connection between Rosh Chodesh and women. Okay, that's one connection between Rosh Chodesh and women. Uh, so that, that's going to take, that we're going to discuss today how and why is Rosh Chodesh particularly connected to women? That's number one. Number two, we're going to discuss how is Hanukkah specially connected to women. Because in Hanukkah, we also find a very similar idea to Rosh Chodesh that while the candles, the lights are burning, it's brought down that the women, more than men, are particularly not to do any work while the candles are still burning. But that's specifically women. Why are women more uh, observing the holiday, this respect for the Hanukkah lamps, more than men? And similar, just as Rosh Chodesh, we say that women don't do like excessive kinds of work, like sometimes in the various communities, not everybody has accepted it, but it's brought down that women will not like do the laundry or do some things, heavy kind of work on Rosh Chodesh. So we find the same kind of an idea of Rosh Chodesh as it pertains to women and Hanukkah as it pertains to the women, as it pertains to work. Sure? Sure. Anybody could no, interject. I want to just, in my house speaks from the oil lactose only. I want to say that tonight's class, we want to dedicate to Aliyah Sanashama from Chaya Bunyabas, um, Pesach HaKohen. Chaya Bunyabas. Oh, come on. Hey, what are you doing? Thank you. Wow. Oh, yeah. 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 Y
Oh, look at that. So I want to dedicate today's work. Okay, great, great. I was in the funeral, yeah. And also, afternoon. I want to just add also to this that everyone who's making the Torah tea um, are saying, my table said a little more dressy, that they just had the bar mitzvah and the bar of the children of the Zulashi Minkowitz. So they're asking everybody who's participating in the Torah tea to share with them that she cannot be there for her children simple, but everybody should be aware of the... That's Khami's mother-in-law. No, it's, a, it's another relative. Oh. It's another relative, so that tonight's learning is and then finally, so what we were discussing, we're trying to to connect the Hanukkah to the women, Rosh Chodesh to women, and also finally the Parsha. Uh, that was the request that Sarah made that we connect it all to women, find the common theme between Hanukkah, Rosh Chodesh, as well as the Parsha to the women. Now I mentioned very briefly that Hanukkah and Rosh Chodesh are both days in which women are more particularly accepted the holiday in the sense that they don't do work or particular work while the candles are lit on Hanukkah. Women are specifically careful. We'll see soon why. We also know on Rosh Chodesh that women, more than men, uh, don't do uh, work, uh, like excessive hard work. And one example is laundry or things like that. They would leave it for another day of Rosh Chodesh, give them a break from the laundry. I mean, uh, but uh, that's another exactly what is included in it. But the just we're going to talk the conceptually why is Rosh Chodesh specifically a woman's holiday? Why is Hanukkah specifically for the women? And then the more tougher thing than that was to find the connection to today's portion of the Chumash uh, to also especially as it relates to women. So hopefully we'll be able to do that as well. But let's first go through the um, if, if uh, we'll wait a few more minutes, we'll start and then we'll make an interruption. We'll do the Hanukkah lights. So we'll do the Rev Am and then, you know, then we can uh, partake of some of the food. And, um, and then we can continue later on. But just, we'll, we'll get started just to see um, some of the uh, text. Maybe somebody else will come in so they'll join us as well. Okay. So as we usually do, we have everybody read a piece. Today we're not reading a piece from the Chumash of today's Parsha. This is actually from the portion of Kisisa, in which it is, the discussion is about the uh, Jews constructing the eagle. That was after Moshe Rabbeinu told them, he went up to the Mount Sinai, he told them he'll be back in 40 days. They miscalculated uh, when he's going to come back by a day earlier, and they gathered around Aaron, they told Aaron, we want you to make for us the golden calf, uh, a god, they said, make a god, and here the Torah starts to describe what, took, what takes place. So why don't we start with Nancy, we, do, we can do it both in the Hebrew and the English, whatever you find more comfortable, or you can do both. Whatever. Nancy, you can start us off. When the people saw that Moses was and coming down from the mountain, the people gathered against Aaron, and they said to him, Come on, make us gods that will go before us, because this man, Moses, who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. Heidi? Aaron said to them, Remove the golden earrings that are on the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them those earrings to me. Okay, we'll see soon in the Rashi in a minute. We'll do, go back to Menucha, do three, please. And, and all the people stripped themselves of the golden earrings that were on their ears and brought them to Aaron. Now, if you, if you see uh, my question, the first question that I asked right in the bottom is, whose golden earrings did Aaron tell them to bring? Women's. 
And who actually gave? Everyone. Your wives, your sons, and your daughters. So, right. So even uh, that are on the men, right? Okay. Wearing earrings at the okay. Time, yeah, yeah. Well, it's pretty much modern society like today, right? Okay. But let's take a look. Now, here it's a little bit, Rashi has a little bit of a, there's a discrepancy over here. In the beginning, we start off, Aaron tells them to use the earrings of their wives, sons, and daughters. But at the end, what happens? Who is the one that removes their earrings? It's Ha'am. Ha'am means the people. The understanding of Ha'am, the people, would mean the men. That wouldn't mean specifically because the fact that the verse doesn't just say remove. Why did it have to say anyone? Why didn't it just say remove your earrings and whoever wants to? It seemed like it is a very specific targeted audience over here. He says, So the question becomes, A, why did Aaron target the women at the the beginning, why was he? Why did he want the women to do that versus everyone? And why, in the end, we find that the people took off and not that? So Rashi addresses that. So Yudas, you want to read the Rashi on two? So first, we'll see the Rashi on two. There are the ears of your wives. Uh-huh. Aaron said to himself, "The women and children are found here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Are found of their jewelry." So here you see Rashi's interpretation. So Rashi says that the reason his intention was he thought maybe they won't agree. And therefore, or not they won't agree. Maybe it'll take time till there, he says. Okay, he says, maybe they're delayed because children are fond of their jewelry. So they're not going to be so quick to give it away. So Aaron had intention. Aaron told him to take their jewelry, wanting to delay. He was hoping that Moshe Rabbeinu is going to appear, that he's going to stop this thing. But at the end, what happened, they didn't wait. That's the way Rashi learns it. And um, He's not really asking for the the wives, the sons, and the daughters to take it off themselves, it sounds like there's a command there, remove the earrings that are on the ears of your wives, your sons. Which means they, he was talking to the men, yeah, apparently. He was huh? talking to the men. And he was telling them, them to go take go their wives. Go take them off of your wives. And, and what happened? But the wives, but he, he was under, no, he was under the impression that they won't want to give it. Okay, why did he, why, so that's why he did it, because he wanted to delay it, he was trying to stall, and maybe Moshe Rabbeinu is going to come back in the meantime, but they didn't wait, and they went ahead, and they did it themselves. This interpretation is Rashi's interpretation, but the Pirkei de Rabelezer, that's a, uh, that's a uh, Tanaic uh, commentary, over there he says, actually, not only that, they hasted that they quickly took off of themselves. But he says the woman refused. He says it's not like he tried to delay and they, well, maybe he tried to delay, that's, that, that could be fine. But the Pirkei de Rabelezer learns that the women objected, they didn't want to participate, and they said, we are not going to make any other God, and we believe in Moshe Rabbeinu. I mean, which is amazing to see that you know, after everything that Moshe Rabbeinu has done for them and has taken them out of exile, done all the miracles in the Egypt, and, you know, it's kind of astounding that 
the men were just so quickly to go ahead, drop Moshe, drop Hashem, and just forget about it. But is the women who said, no, no way, we're not going to be part of this, uh, of this uh, business over there. We're not giving, we're not going to be part of it. And the women displayed a tremendous amount of faith and trust in Hashem, a lot more than the men. And actually, uh, if you see the previous Rashi, Rashi says that uh, from the... Um, um, the language later on, it was the multitude of the nations, the other, the Egyptians that were amongst them, that sort of enticed them, incited them. It, it didn't come, the Jews on their own weren't going to do that. It was, they were sort of prompted and, you know, people got, got them to do that. But it's, it's really not surprising. Uh, the men being working slave laborers in Egypt for 210 years, I mean, and, and they're living in, an, in, a, in a pagan uh, environment. So when things went wrong, even though they believed in Moses, but uh, Moshe Rabbeinu, but when things went wrong, immediately they sort of flipped and they said they changed their mind. But it's the women that ended up staying very strong. Um, so, so the women did not give. So that's what I had my second question, not give. So two reasons. Rashi says they didn't give. They didn't give yet. So according to Rashi, it was just a matter of time. Rashi learns just that they were wanted to make it, wanted to delay, and they went quickly. But the Pirkei Rebelezer learns that they refused to give it. It's not like it was a delay. They refused to give it. They didn't want to be part of it. So what did they receive as a reward? So the Pirkei Rebelezer says as a reward, they received the festival of Rosh Chodesh. Rosh Chodesh was given special to women as a reward uh, for their standing strong. Is Perkinelez a compilation? A what? Is it a compilation of... What, the Rebelezer? Yeah, that's like a Bryson. That's like a Bryson. It's a compilation of, uh, of Bryson, yes, of Tanayim, yeah. So that's, that's real. That's up there with the Mishnah, mm-hmm. with the Talmud. You know, this is, it comes from that. So the, uh, so the question really is also, I mean, it would be, what is the connection really with Rosh Chodesh? Okay, they needed a reward. But why give them Rosh Chodesh? I mean, why not give them something else? I mean, how does this connect? We understand the Pirkei of Lezer doesn't exactly connect uh, this to, um, to Rosh Chodesh. It just says they got a reward, so they got Rosh Chodesh. But when one thinks about it, you can sort of, you realize... That what is actually Rosh Chodesh? We celebrate the renewal of the of the of the moon, and what what happens is there is a whole the moon gets smaller, it becomes totally, and then it's renewed again, uh, which means that also represents to weather changes. In other words, weather various different times when it goes up and down. Uh, I guess sometimes the men lose it quickly, but it represents the, the, the women stand strong so that they, even though notwithstanding, not in their own changes, uh, they actually stand very, very strong. I mean, I know it in my own household that, uh, you know, Baruch Hashem, you know, that it, it's, it's her strength that gives me strength because a lot of times, you know, I get, you know, when financial situations get 
difficult and things like that, I get totally, uh, you know, I almost become, uh, even though I tell everybody to stay strong, but, you know, when it comes to the situation, you start doubting yourself and you start saying, will I be able to do it? Am I really? Maybe this time I'll fail, you know, God forbid. Maybe I won't be able to do it. And I, and actually, I'm not, know if I'm ready to show. I had my own great miracle of Hanukkah. I had a great miracle of Hanukkah happen to us. Um, you know, and um, so it's still in the middle of the miracle. I'm not uh, yet 100%, but I, I think that this is a great miracle, both with our building and with our fundraising, that this is like a big miracle. But I was all of, you know, I was very sort of, uh, uh, you know, again, like I said, I'm doubting myself. You know, maybe, maybe I'm doing something wrong. Maybe I'm not, you know, maybe, uh, maybe I'm not treating everybody the way they should be treated. <laughs> I don't know. So I start, you know, questioning. But it was amazing. My wife says to me, she says, you know what? You have to, you have to do what the Rebbe wants you to do. And the Rebbe will come through, she said. She actually told me that. She says, just, so what happened was that, you know, for so many years, uh, we've asked the, the town to allow us to put a public menorah because we know that's what the Rebbe wants. If you're going to ask me, why is that so important? You know, what's the difference if it's on your own property or what's the difference that, you know, I'm not saying that I can logically 100% explain, but I know that's what the Rebbe wants. And if that's what the Rebbe wants, that's the right thing to do. But I was tried so many times already, and every time I got a refusal, so I said, forget it, I'm not even trying anymore. You know, for 25 years I've tried it. And she said, no. She says, make that phone call. And she really urged me to go ahead and make that phone call. And all what it was, it was one phone call. And, and Baruch Hashem, we had such a beautiful celebration over there. And, then, and, and, and I want to tell you, so what I want to tell you, I, I want to tell you, and she said, and I, I actually see, I, I, I got out a little of my comfort zone, you know, I thought, you know, already I'm tired, and you know, let the kids come and let them do, you know, I'm almost ready to say, she says, no, 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 she says, I don't want to be married to an older. <laughs> he says, you still have, he says, he says, you still have some juice in you. He says, don't, uh, don't, don't, don't make yourself older than you are. She says, I don't want to be married to such an alta cacchio, you know. <laughs> so anyways, so, okay, so, but in any event, so let me, let me tell you, so it was a great, a great, great miracle. So what, what happens? I'm going to tell you, mamish, mamish miracles. So, you know, we, we had our challenges, financial challenges, and, you know, I, I don't like to go public with my business and everything else. I, I dread it. You know, I really do. I like to, you know, I like to show everybody, yeah, I have it all, I'm all set, and nobody, no worries, and we're just, you know, we're on top of it. And, but last week, Motzah Shabbos, Saturday night, I said, look, the end of the year is coming, and this is my usual time. I try to raise a couple of dollars to say, and especially this year, I'm really stuck. Okay. She says, do what the Rebbe wants, and the Rebbe will help you. You'll see. Okay, so I did. And Baruch Hashem. So I get a call. I get a call from, uh, from Los Angeles. He says, they need somebody to go ahead and do a funeral over here. They need somebody to do a funeral over here. There's not much money in there. There's not money over there. They have very little money. I said, don't worry about the money. I said, I don't. I'll do whatever I can. I'll do to help out. You know, and, you know, God helped, I did in the last, I do, usually I do a funeral maybe once in six months, right? I did three funerals in one week. <laughs> so, but, but all mitzvah cases. So, 
So this one uh, one funeral I did this funeral. I said, don't worry about the money, anything else. So Baruch Hashem, you know, God gave me the right words to say. So the people had a you know a very a meaningful service, and they were very appreciative of it, mm-hmm. and the other service as well. And through that contact, you know, all of a sudden somebody gave me to meet the goal that we put out. You know, it was like it was, really? it was unbelievable, unbelievable. He asked me, they asked wow. me, it was uh, through that, a person I never knew before, never met before, wow. asked me, what do I need? And I told him where I'm at. I tell him, that's what, you don't see me anymore in Jewish Sharon. It's only because I met the goal. That's <laughs> what I'm not doing anymore. Because he said, what did you need? He says, how much, how much, how much are you, sh-? he, said, he says, how much are you short? He says, I'll, I'll bring it to you. And he had come to the funeral of one of these. Yeah, he was, you know, he was uh, connected in, in one, in one, in one, in one of the funerals. One, it was like an angel. He doesn't, he doesn't even live here. Oh, wow. He doesn't even live here. But anyways, he just said, he says, he, he, he sent me, he sent me yesterday an uh, email. He says, Rabbi, what do you need? How much were you up to? He says, this is where I got up to. This is what I need. He says, I'm going to give you the difference. That's it, you know. So I'm saying this is out of, so but I see, I I see I see that, and what and what what happens, and at the same time there was another person called me up. This also happened this Friday. The person calls me up, he says he's a Holocaust survivor, his uncle, and they're gonna cremate him, and he's calling me to say what I can do. So I said, okay, come down. The guy was so upset, you know, he was he's they're they're actually from, and he lives in they live in New York. He says, Rabbi, help me, help me, help. Me. I said. Tell me what the story is. Let me try to help you. So you know, because his cousin, who's who's not who's not Jewish, and because his uncle is Jewish, but his uncle married a non-Jewish woman. A Holocaust married a non-Jewish woman. And the kids wanted to cremate their father. Their mother, they cremated. They wanted to cremate the father too. So who was the one that called you? So this 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 cousin, the nephew, called me. What? There was nothing, you know, and the, and the son, they, there was, it was a messed up a lot of, there was a lot of hard feelings there. There was like a, a lot of service. It wasn't like an easy, a lot of, but I'm just saying one, one thing, brother, it was just like a whole bunch of different things happening uh, at the same time, all within three or five days. This all happened very, very soon. And, you know, I'm, I'm really appreciative because I was a little bit, uh, like I said, doubting myself. And then I saw the response from a lot of the community. It gives me a lot of chizok also because you see that, you know, people care about you and people appreciate what you do. You know, sometimes, you know, even rabbis, you know, <laughs> get down a little bit. So anyways, so, so they call me up. And, and I said, I said, no, no, we're not going to let this happen. So, you know, let me call. I called the funeral and I made all. And because I've just done two funerals, I said, if it's money, I said, you know, forget about, you know, don't worry about me. And I said something else. I said, I said, I spoke to the funeral over here. I said, look, I said, if there's no money, he says, Rabbi, you just did funerals, we'll, we'll waive all of our fees. We'll make a tahara. We'll do it all. We'll do it just for that. And, but after talking to the son, who's not Jewish, but I talked to the son and I explained to him how important it is to give last respects for his father and how that is really something meaningful and he shouldn't do that and this is his last chance sort of to make up and he was not going to have another opportunity and everything else. He was so into it. He got so... So anyway, he listened. And wow. he spent... Because he made a mistake, he gave it to a he gave it to a goyish funeral home first to to cremate and then to make a goyish burial. But I got them to make a tahara, tachricha, I did everything kosher, and then 
we came to the to the grave site. This was just yesterday. When was it yesterday? Yeah. I don't remember in my head. So yesterday there was a grave site, and I said also God gave me the right words to say. So I said to them, look. I said, whatever happened during your lifetime, I said, you know, that's, that's history. I said, but now, I said, if you want your father to rest in peace, I said, you got to forgive him. And I said, and also, I said, he'll forgive you too as well. And the guy said, was there an emotional scene there, crying going on the whole place over there? The guy said, I never cried. He cried like a baby over there. They were all forgiving each other, you know. But it was, wow. it was really powerful. Uh, it was a powerful moment over there. Because it was just, you know, there was pent up anger and frustration for years and years. You know, the kids ran away 15 years from the house because the father beat them. I don't know. You know it was just, it was a lot of tsars, a lot, a lot of tsars over there. It, was, it wasn't, a, but, you know, I mean, a Holocaust survivor. I said, you know, a few words, I said, you know, some of these people came back from there so bruised and so we can't even know. We don't even understand. Even though they pretended to live a normal life, so to speak. Um, you know, but they, they really, down, deep down, you know, they, when the Yemakshimon, when the Germans, when they hurt people, they didn't just hurt them for that moment. They actually, many times, second generation as well, have still, you know, uh, impacted, been impacted by those atrocities and everything else. So I was telling them, I said, you can't judge, you know, if, you know, if he didn't do right or didn't do, did it right. You know, you have to understand that this was part of the enemy who did this to the Jewish people. I mean, and that's, that's, that's part of but it came out, but I actually saw an opening, you know, all because, you know, we're doing, if you do what you're supposed to, I feel, you know, again, with the, uh, with the Rebbe's blessings, I really believe, and, you know, I guess, so the Amuna, how did I get off to this? The women, the women, the women. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. We get a, the, no, the women, all women, I know. All the, all the women, that's the thing, but we, the, the, the women have a, that, I, I, I saw a whole talk of the Rebbe here, that the Rebbe speaks about the, 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 the special qualities and their special uh, powers that they have, that they can sort of impact their families while men waver and while they're not consistent. But the Rebbe says like this, the men believe as well as the women. That's not even a question. We all believe. But he says the belief of the men sometimes gets cloudy. It gets hidden. It's not open. And their, their belief that they have doesn't necessitate that they do what they believe. And they sort of uh, do otherwise than what they know is best. But it's the women, the Rebbe says. Now, the Rebbe says something very interesting. You should listen to us more often. Yeah, well, yeah, you got to urge. But that's part, of the, that's part of the job is that even if they don't listen, you got to tell them so many times until eventually they start listening, you know, or something. You know, they listen to some of it. But you got to, you got to... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, encouraging, encouraging, yeah, encouraging to do to them to do what's right, you know, and that's. And, but the Rebbe writes that. So also, there's something very, very beautiful that people don't. The Rebbe discusses over here when it comes to Rosh Chodesh, in that same Pirkei the Rebbe Lezer, it talks about that the in the times of Mashiach, and the Rebbe therefore says it's not only the women in those days, like in the time when we learned the Chumash that they didn't give from their gold, but the Rebbe says. It's talking about old generations because we're talking about even it says in the times of Mashiach, the Rebbe quotes from the Tehillim that women will regain their youthfulness, that they will become youthful again as they were in their younger days. When the, uh, and the Rebbe speaks about that and he says that it all comes, as there it says, as a reward for their strength, for their amuna, for their steadfastness. So the Rebbe proves from this that we're not only talking about a 
women of a certain era. We're talking about all women, and we're talking about the women that are going to merit the coming of Mashiach. And he quotes like from the Pasuk, this is a rejuvenation, a re-energizing of, 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 of youthfulness that, that, that women will experience. And, um, and the Rebbe also ties in, if you see in the prayer and the Musaf that we do for Rosh Chodesh, you know, generally Rosh Chodesh is considered Zaman Kapara. It's a time for atonement. We bring a goat for atonement. In the time of the temple, it was an atonement. And the Talmud goes through what does it atone for exactly. You know, there's various different things. But there's an interesting thing that is written in the prayer. It says, Zaman Kapara Lechol Toldoisom. That's the words over there. It means it's a time for atonement for children. So and the Rebbe brings this, connects this also to the special relationship to women because the connection from a mother to a child, that is a bond which is and the, the deep sense of emuna, a belief, because the Rebbe says that although we're supposed to study Torah and learn Torah and understand Torah to the extent that the human uh, is capable of understanding, but it's all based on emuna. I mean, the Torah is based on, it begins with emuna and it ends with emuna. It's the trust and faith in Hashem. That's what it begins on. And since women display more faith than men, that's why the women are holding up their dakeris habayis. They are the ones that can instill in their children that sense of emuna, that sense of trust of betochen Hashem. I mean, the Rebbe puts not only a lot of credit to the women, but he gives them a lot of responsibility too. He's not exempting the, the men, but the Rebbe feels that the women have that special power. They have that special uh, gift that Hashem has given them to be able to influence you know, and impact their, uh, their children. So this is as far as uh, Rosh Chodesh goes. So Rosh Chodesh is connected to women in these different ways. First of all, as a reward, but second of all, Rosh Chodesh, when there's old changes, the month keeps on changing, the moon, the women stay steadfast. They got that Rosh Chodesh as a gift, and they celebrate it in a special way. Now, I want to read further, and okay, now further I want to read about Hanukkah. And we'll also see the special connection. Uh, who's going to, let we'll do somebody who can read the Hebrew easily, if somebody want to do the Hebrew easily. And then, we'll, and then we'll do it in the English. So just we'll have a little bit. This is from the uh, Kitzer Shulchan Aruch. That's from the abridged version of the Shulchan Aruch. Very popular sefer. Uh, that has the entire code of Jewish law in short. Brought down just the main points. Uh, and it's brought out. So this is uh, in the laws of Hanukkah in uh, section 3. Okay, it's chapter 139 in the Kitzer Shulchan Aruch, section 3. Who's going to volunteer to do the Hebrew? Okay. How come it only talks about the women and not about the men? We will we will discuss that. Okay. Okay. Who wants to read for the uh, in the Hebrew? Okay. Well, first do the Hebrew, then we'll go with the triangular translation. The uh, Odin Kamesha Nes Nasa Aide Isha. Uh, start, but first go to all the way to the beginning. Go on the previous page. It starts. It starts in the Bachanuka. Sif Gimel. Basiat Malacha. Basiat Malacha. Achanashim Nagot Shalomha Sot Malacha, Kosman Shahanegot Babai Tokin. The aim So basically it says on Hanukkah you're permitted to do work, but the women are accustomed not to do work as long as the candles are burning. 
Okay, and we should not be lenient and tell them, no, 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 you can do work. We should not, that, that they look at them. Go ahead. That doesn't include food, right? I mean, no, but then, yeah, no, but the kids were like, no, 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 We'll see what he says here. Because the tr- decree was very difficult on the Jewish daughters, because they had really a a very great hardship from the the Greek decrees of the Yevanim. Okay. More so than the men. Yeah. Here, listen. So you're going to say. Okay. We're reading. This is the text of the Kitzur Shulchan Aruch. Okay. Well, they made a decree that if a, a Jewish girl got married, she must first be intimate with the governor over there. Okay. And further, because the miracle actually took place to a woman. The daughter of Yochanan Kohen Gadol was a very beautiful woman. He requested that she be with him. She told him that she would fulfill his wishes. She fed him cheese, a food of cheese, so that he'll be thirsty and he'll drink wine, and that he'll become drunk. And then he will sleep, and he will fall fast asleep. And so it happens. She fed him, and he fell asleep. (laughs) She cut off his head, and she brought it to Yerushalayim. When the uh, chief of staff over there saw that their king has been lost, so they ran away. So there's some people that eat milk milk products on, 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 on Hanukkah to commemorate that. Who's going to do the English? Can do just reading? Do you want to do the English, Janice? Okay. On Hanukkah, it is allowed to do work, but women are accustomed not to do work all the time the candles are lit. And one should not be lenient about this. The reason why women are stricter about this than men is because the decrees of the Greeks were harsher on the Jewish women. For they decreed that a virgin to be married must first have relations with the Greek governor. Further, because of the miracle that was done by a woman, I think her name was Yehudis. Yeah, Yehudis. The daughter of Yochanan, the high priest, was very beautiful. The enemy king asked her to sleep with him, and she said she would agree to his request. She then fed him dishes of cheese produce so that he would become thirsty and drink much wine, become drunk and fall asleep, and this did happen. She then cut off his head while he was asleep and brought it to Jerusalem. When the head of the Greek army saw that the king was dead, they, the head and his troops, fled. Therefore, some of the custom of eating dairy dishes on Hanukkah to remember the miracle which was done through dairy dishes. So this is interesting. This is brought down in the uh, Kitzer Shulchan Aruch for the reason why women uh, celebrate especially. But it's also interesting that... Uh, in both cases, the celebration expresses itself 
in taking away some of the work of the woman. I mean, it's like, it's not like they're not celebrating it by adding another candle or saying an extra prayer or whatever, but it's just, you know, telling them to take a little bit of break of the work that they always do. So it's interesting how, you know, there's a sensitivity to the work that they do and to give them a celebration, a holiday, sort of, from the work. And there is yet some other reasoning that it's not brought down, but it's brought down in some of the other uh, commentators. Uh, it's, it's, it's a little bit strange, and um, especially, you know, the Rebbe always feels that um, we have to keep as much people involved in, in, most, in, in, in all the mitzvahs possible. So that's why, for example, let's take the lighting of the uh, Friday night, the candles before Shabbat. So the Rebbe encourages, of course, that all women should light the Friday night candles. But then the Rebbe said also, girls that are not married should light the, the Friday night candles. And, and the Rebbe felt, and the Rebbe feels, and the reality is that the more we give Jewish women, men, girls, boys, everybody, the more we keep them involved in, in our traditions, the more likely it is that they will continue it, that they will be something that they will be involved, they'll enjoy it, they'll appreciate it, and then we can continue that. And yet, surprising is that in the Chabad tradition, women do not light their own Hanukkah menorah. They do it together as a family. Now, we know that there is a big difference between the light of the Friday night candles and the Hanukkah. Because the Friday night light is actually meant to illuminate the house, to make it light over there, to bring light. The reason we light the Shabbos candles so to bring Shalom Bayit, so that there will be light in the house, people won't trip over things. Of course, today we have other lights, but it's still, there's the reason we still make a blessing on lights. One can ask me, why, who needs the candles? We have so much light over there, but... Every light adds joy. So that's why it's not like when we see that in the Hanukkah too, the extra light brings more light. So the fact that we light the Shabbos candles for for Shabbat adds to the joy of the Shabbat. So over there, the purpose of the candle is actually that it we use the light of the candles. That's the reason that we light the Shabbat candles, the Friday night candles, so that it illuminates, makes us a joy of Shabbat. But with the Hanukkah candles over there, actually, we have no right to use them. And we can only uh, see them. The mitzvah is to light them. That's why we also put the shamash, the servant, over there on the top. And the reason for that is because we don't want to use the actually flames of the Hanukkah menorah to... For our own for our own uses, and therefore uh, we keep a shamash so that in case we do happen to use, it's going to be by the use of the shamash. But this is interesting that it's brought in another reason why we don't do work while the Hanukkah lights are still burning, because there is a worry that we might use be tempted again in the olden days. That was the light that was provided. There wasn't that much light, other light. So there was, um, might be tempted to actually use that light. But the Rebbe explains what, for whatever reason, the tradition became that the women don't light their own lights, maybe because there was a lot of confusion over there with the lighting. You have to light it in a certain way. 
So the Chachamim let it go that the husband lights and then the, uh, that would include the wife, the family, and uh, of course for the girls to light when the mother doesn't light, that would be a little bit of a disrespect. So therefore, in the Chabad tradition, we actually don't have the women and the girls light their Hanukkah menorahs. But yet, the reason why we don't do work still, why don't we do work only for the women, it's still because of the special privilege that the, uh, that the women have uh, because of the marriage, because they had a, because of the head of Rosh Chodesh. Um, I mean because of Yehudis and the, what he brought down before. She did a lot of work. And, what, and, the, other, and the, other, the other thing yeah, is because since at the end of the day the women don't do the lighting of the menorah. So they want to have somehow be represented in the doing, so that's why they don't do the work. So at least, even if they don't light their actual menorah themselves, so at least that is, the, that is their participation. Um, okay, so now let's just go ahead and see. I was looking in this Parsha that we read today in Shalishi to find something about women. And with God's help, I found something that talks about women. I was looking for women in, this, in the today's Sedra. So over here, of course, we're talking about when Joseph, today we're talking about Joseph uh, reveals himself to his brothers. And uh, he tells them, he asks is his father alive, and he tells them, and Paro hears about it. So now this is Paro speaking. Who didn't have a turn yet to say? Sarla, you want to do verse? Let's do it. Verse 19. And you, Joseph, have been commanded to tell them, do this, take yourself wagons from the land of Egypt for your young children and for your wives, and you shall carry your father and come. Okay. Oh, why don't you finish? Anybody else didn't say it? Everybody had a turn? So do uh, five. Do their five. This, this is, by the way, 19 talks about the command of Paro's instruction. Five is later on, next chapter, which talks about how they fulfilled when they actually did. This was the command, this was the instruction. This is the next chapter talking about what happened. And Jacob? And Jacob, Paro, was from Bethsheba, and the sons of Israel feared their father, yeah. So here is very interesting. It seems to it's, if you take a look very clearly, in the first sentence, it almost seems that the wagons were made for the wa- wa- women and children, right? And 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 what does it mean? And you shall carry your father and come. That is some other way. Maybe just carry him. You know, not not on the wagons. So Pharaoh sort of. Um, made a, a, a disconnect of the... So you have the connection of the children and the mothers. That's what you see clearly. He says, because together with the children, or together with the small children, also come their wives together, go in their goalless. But he says to them, you shall carry your father and come. It almost seems like he's not, not on the wagon. I'm not sure how he's going to carry them. But... He says, "Bring the wagons for your," uh, because there's a new, a new sentence, a new command, and you carry, or else he should have said, "Kulchem agolos the and to your father, and you come. But here it seems like he was going to send his father, maybe with a, a different wagon, or maybe in another way. But in the verse, 
Huh? Oh, wait a minute. But then, okay. So, okay. So, good. So, that's the first one. But in the next verse, over there it says that the Bnei Yisrael carried their father. Now they're carrying them all together. It says their father and the children and the wives in the wagons that Paris sent to carry him. So, I think what the Torah changes over here to tell us that special connection that it was between the women and the children with their father Yaakov as opposed to the way that Pharaoh thought. That in Pharaoh's opinion there was a disconnect. That there was a disconnect between the level of Jacob. And we know that uh, Jacob represents the measure of emes, uh, measure of truth, which means that it is always there, it's always um, in all situations it comes through. But the way Pharaoh thought that there would be a disconnect, that the father is being carried separate than the Tabchem and the Neshechem, that's separate wagons, they are on a different level. And But what the Bnei Yisrael did, they showed that that wagon that carries Yaakov, that faith that carries Yaakov, that Amuna, is actually the very same that carries the women and the children. That it's specifically the women and the children that are connected and are on the same bandwagon. And they're the same wagon, the same togetherness, together with the Yaakov. It's not separate. It's actually the sons, the Bnei Yisrael, they're not going in that wagon. They are going by foot. They're going separate. They have their own thing. But it is Yaakov's uh, uh, daughters or daughter-in-laws and their children that actually are joining Paro Yaakov on his wagon, which is his wagon is the wagon of Emes. And the wagon of Emes means that it's the unwavering truth. So this is perhaps the connection of all the fact that special faith and the special truth. And we know that truth doesn't sort of waver, goes through all the time. Like there's a classic example that uh, if you have a river that dries out even once in seven years, it's not considered living water because it dries out sometimes. Only if it always flows is it living water. Truth is that carries through under all circumstances. So true Amuna is the possession of the women together with the wagon of Yaakov. But the Bnei Yisrael perhaps are not at that level. So like everything in Torah, the special privileges is also puts on special responsibilities and uh, and uh, certainly we know that the women usually uh, in most cases come through and, uh, and like I said they're that keres habayis and uh, hopefully that each one in our own homes we can build a very strong Jewish home, a home with sensitivity to Torah and Yiddishkeit and mitzvahs and love of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, of Hashem and the, and the Torah, love of another Jew and uh, to, to really appreciate one another and uh, realize that we are all together, we're one Am Echad, we're one people and we are uh, really united and we really need to just uh, work on ourselves a little bit not to let some petty little stuff get in the way of uh, our, uh, you know, getting along with each other. And in most cases, if we go above it, we'll find that um, it's not really as bad as we thought or we imagined, and uh, things could be, um, be worked out. So hopefully we'll all 
take the message of Hanukkah, of Rosh Chodesh, and uh, the Parsha and with us so that we can be inspired by this. And uh, Hanukkah is eight days, but the eight days also come to an end. Today is the eighth day of Hanukkah, so it comes to an end as well. It's more than Purim, which you got to do it all in one day, but it's eight days also come to an end. And eight is the number which is beyond seven. Seven represents the order of Ishtalshulis, that represents the world the way it is under nature. The number eight, as we have the number eight in various different, in the Beis Hamikdash there were seven, but then it says that in the uh, Kinoir will be of Shmoinanim, and there is the number eight which represents the higher than Hishtal Shalut, that's higher than the uh, regular, and that, yeah. Oh, that great? Eight, one, yeah, one for each day of Hanukkah. Okay, so the Ebshet should bless us that we should reach beyond nature, you know, out of, right, and, and like I said, we see each one can find in their own lives a little miracle of Hanukkah and a little miracle of special event, and we should take that courage and go with it, and we can go to a lot of places. So we'll do the Hanukkah menorah at the end. We're doing this all for light, and we haven't been light yet. We waited, we didn't have our group, we already went. No, we didn't, so come. I'm really happy for you, congratulations. Okay, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My miracle of Hanukkah. A lot of miracles this year. We're going to keep coming. Please, God. Yeah, we actually may have we may have a tenant also. So that's something you bring in. You may have what? I may even have a tenant. Somebody interested. Oh, somebody interested. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're gonna um, we owe you a cup of tea. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for joining. Yes, thank you. All right. So we finally have the final count. Good. You're getting the fire? No, we have a problem here. Just take all this off. I don't like the tag over here. Tag here. I don't like to take all this junk off. Take a picture from this, okay? Why can't we turn it around this way? It doesn't make a difference. Okay. No, you ready? We improvise. Now, let me ask you a favor. Can you just spread it? What? Did you put water in that? Tommy? Okay, you ready? Water, water, water. Okay, yeah. Really? That's interesting. The water always flows on the the oil flows it always goes to the top. That's mm-hmm. 
ברוך אתו אדוני, אלוהינו מלך העולם, אשר קידישנו במצווה יסוב, וציוונו להדליק נר אלוהינו מלך העולם, שעושו ניסים לבויסנו ביומים ההם בזמן הזה. Narai, 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 Narai Narai, Narai, Narai Narai, Narai, Narai Narai, Narai, Narai Narai, Narai Narai, Narai Narai Yeah, 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 yeah
Come 